the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. A good morning to you as we get underway at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. I say thank you for spending the time with us on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. It is a Thursday, the fifth morning of the last month of the year of our Lord twenty nineteen, and we are loaded for bear today. Coming up in thirty minutes, a little less maybe. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, with uh, David Ray, who is going to be joining us live from the southern border. He and his colleagues uh, with the Federation for American Immigration Reform have been down there studying so that they can speak with accuracy and with intelligence and with knowledge firsthand of what is going on down at the southern border. There continues to be a humanitarian crisis there. There continues to be a national emergency there, despite dropping numbers of apprehensions at the border and uh, within short proximity to it, close proximity to it. So we are going to be talking to David Ray live from the border coming up at 9.35. At 10.05, we are going to talk to Dr. Everett Piper about a host of issues, as we always do, reflecting our society and our culture. And then at uh, 10.35, this one is going to be interesting. You may recall uh, two different different interviews that I uh, conducted with Joel Gilbert, an independent filmmaker and author um, who wrote a book, and who put together a documentary film about the Trayvon Martin case. And you recall the Trayvon Martin case. It's hard to believe uh, that it's been, uh, uh, it's been seven years now. It's, uh, 2012 is when the Trayvon Martin case took place. But jo- or, I mean, uh, Joel Gilbert told us about the witness sh- switch, an absolutely impossible situation in which the prosecutors uh, of George Zimmerman and the uh, defenders of Trayvon Martin, meaning the uh, the uh, uh, 
the uh, attorneys representing the Martin family all conspired to allow a witness to pretend she was somebody else on the stand at George Zimmerman's trial. It was an absolutely unbelievable bombshell revelation uh, put together. It, it, the information, the evidence of this was there in plain sight, but nobody went after it except for Joel Gilbert. That has resulted in this. There is now a $100 million lawsuit that has been filed by George Zimmerman suing Trayvon Martin's parents, the Florida prosecutors who allowed this travesty to happen, Benjamin Crump, the uh, uh, the uh, Martin family attorney, Rachel Jantel, who is the one of the uh, witness individuals involved, and others for $100 million. It is an amazing story, and we will have the details of it with Joel Gilbert, who will, who will uh, tell us about it and how this all came to be at 1035 this morning. So like I said, we are loaded for bear. Uh, three really, really great guests with a lot of important stuff to discuss, which means we have to dive into yesterday's impeachment fiasco uh, right now. The Judiciary Committee yesterday decided to once again continue its habit. Uh, well, when I say I shouldn't say it's because this is the Judiciary Committee's first uh, bite at, at this apple. Uh, it started with Adam Schiff's Intelligence Committee, but let's put it this way. Impeachment-minded Democrats continued their habit of calling witnesses who hadn't witnessed anything. Remember, we were trying to think of new words uh, to describe witnesses who didn't witness anything. Well, there were a bunch more of them yesterday. They invited legal scholars to give their opinions, and that's that's it. This is apparently how we impeach presidents now. We invite people who are not fact witnesses to give their opinions. They are opinion witnesses and nothing more. So they invited four liberals who are law professors, to testify before the Judiciary Committee with their opinion as to whether or not what President Trump did, Trump did in the phone call uh, with uh, President Zelensky on July 25th was something that was impeachable. And that's it. These are just opinions. Now, the interesting part about it is three of those liberal law professors are devoted anti or never Trumpers. They hate the president. They have spoken out against the president. They have donated uh, uh, money to liberal Democrats who oppose the president. And their bias was inherently clear from the moment they started speaking. The fourth, also a liberal, and that matters, also a liberal, was Jonathan Turley, a law professor at uh, George Washington University. And this particular individual was notable because while he is a liberal and is not a supporter of President Trump, somebody who voted against President Trump, he at least was interested in truth. He was interested in the Constitution. He was the only one of the four liberal witnesses who were called forth by Jerry Nadler at this committee. Uh, He was the only one who was actually interested in upholding the Constitution. Thank you, Chairman Nadler, Ranking Member Collins, members of the Judiciary Committee. It's an honor to appear before you today to discuss one of the most consequential functions you were given by the framers, and that is the impeachment of a President of the United States. Twenty-one years ago, I sat before you, Chairman Nadler, and this committee to testify at the impeachment of President William Jefferson Clinton. I never thought that I would have to appear a second time to address the same question with regard to another sitting president. Yet here we are. The elements are strikingly similar. 
The intense rancor and rage of the public debate is the same. It's the atmosphere that the framers anticipated. The stifling intolerance of opposing views is the same. I'd like to start, therefore, perhaps incongruously, by stating an irrelevant fact. I'm not a supporter of President Trump. I voted against him. My personal views of President Trump are as irrelevant to my impeachment testimony as they should be to your impeachment vote. President Trump will not be our last president, and what we leave in the wake of this scandal will shape our democracy for generations to come. That was part of the opening statement from Professor Jonathan Turley, and it was important to get that on the record, that he is not a supporter of President Trump, so he's not there to just defend the president out of partisan interest. He voted against President Trump. But he is interested in the protection of, as I have said oftentimes about Jim Jordan, the presidency. Not just protecting the president, but protecting the presidency. And that's what Professor Jonathan Turley, that's what distinguished him from the other three liberal professors who were on the, uh, at that dais yesterday testifying before the Judiciary Committee. Turley went on to say, this is going to become the shortest impeachment in history, and moreover, and more importantly, the first with no crime committed. There was another shared aspect besides the atmosphere of that impeachment and also the unconventional style of the two presidents. And that shared element is speed. This impeachment would rival the Johnson impeachment as the shortest in history, depending on how one counts the relevant days. Now there are three distinctions when you look at these, or three commonalities when you look at these past cases. All involved established crimes. This would be the first impeachment in history where there would be considerable debate, and in my view, not compelling evidence of the commission of a crime. Second is the abbreviated period of this investigation, which is problematic and puzzling. This is a facially incomplete and inadequate record in order to impeach a president. Extraordinarily important words by Professor Jonathan Turley. And I'm going to feature him, by the way, in my coverage of this today, as well as featuring Professor Carlin, Pamela Carlin from Stanford. She is a Stanford law professor and an appellate attorney, and she is the one who kind of stole the show for all of the wrong reasons yesterday, for her extremely angry-sounding, vicious, shouting testimony condemning President Trump, while also acknowledging and admitting that she once had to cross the street rather than walk by the Trump Hotel, getting too close to it. You talk about an angry, hateful, never-Trumper. Her bias was clear the moment she walked into the room. It was clear the moment she attacked the president's son, bringing his name into this, which led to a response from Matt Gates, uh, the uh, representative from Florida. I'm going to feature those testimonies. The others, less so. And the reason why I'm going to feature them is because of the extreme rancor exhibited by Carlin and the extreme, um, uh, the, the only consistent 
constitutional protections offered by any of the witnesses yesterday, and those would be by Turley. And Turley, of course, got the least amount of attention from Democrats. When Democrats had opportunities to question the witnesses, four of them sitting there side by side, every Democrat question went to one of the three that was screaming, impeach, impeach, impeach. They ignored Turley altogether which is why I will not do that on this program. I will give you more of Turley. I will give you some of Carlin because of the context involved. And yes, once again, maybe the biggest hit of the day, maybe the, the home run that, uh, you know, that changed the game yesterday was offered up by Congressman Jordan of the Judiciary Committee. I'm going to share that with you, too. I'm going to get all of this in that I can. Uh, again, we're going to kind of have to piece it all together because we have three important guests today, including Dave Ray, who will be joining us at 935, live from the southern border. I believe he's in McAllen, Texas, uh, and he's going to give us an update on the crisis there as we continue right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. All right, 923, right back with you on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for joining us for The Authority. All right, so we want to go back to, there's just so much compelling sound here, and I wish I had more time today. We do have three great guests coming up, uh, so I have to do this as quickly as I can. First, let me get you uh, just a little bit of uh, the, I, I can't even describe the, the anger uh, with which uh, Professor uh, Pamela Carlin uh, delivered her remarks yesterday. She is an anti-Trumper from the word go. You can tell, as you listen to the anger in her voice, that she was one of those on November 8, 2016, who when the announcement came in that President Trump, or excuse me, that Donald Trump was the president-elect of the United States of America, that he had defeated Hillary Clinton, that she screamed at the sky. You can tell she was one of those wearing the pink female genitalia hats marching on Washington during the Women's March. She is just an angry feminist uh, who... Uh, has absolutely no regard whatsoever for the Constitution and lets her emotions and her hatred for Donald Trump uh, drive everything that she find does. find it acceptable for an American president to pressure a foreign government to help him win an election. I think they'd find it unacceptable for a, president, for a president to ask a foreign government to help him, whether they put pressure on him or not. Direct evidence shows, direct evidence shows that on... A July 25th phone call, the president uttered five words, do us a favor, though. He pressured the Ukrainian government to target an American citizen for political gain, and at the same time, simultaneously withheld $391 million in military aid. Now, Ambassador Bill Taylor, West Point graduate, Vietnam War hero, Republican-appointed diplomat, discussed this issue of military aid. Here is a clip of his testimony. Again, um, our holding up of security systems that would go to a country that is fighting, fighting aggression from Russia um, for no good policy reason, no good substantive reason, no good national security reason is wrong. Was being withheld as part of an effort to solicit foreign interference in the 2020 election is that behavior impeachable? Yes, it is. And if I could go back to one of the words you read, when the president said, do us a favor, he was using the royal we there. 
It wasn't a favor for the United States. He should have said, do me a favor, because only kings say us when they mean me. All right. Now, I wanted to play that part of the clip from the angry Professor Pamela Carlin to set up the response by Congressman Jim Jordan when given an opportunity to talk directly to her. His, uh, like I said, this might be the home run. This might be the best uh, moment of the entire day, which really exposes uh, the anti-liberal triggered uh, professor and the entirety of the Democrats who are pushing for this impeachment. By the way, breaking news, literally minutes ago, this is the worst-kept story in the, in the country, and certainly in Washington. Nancy Pelosi did come forth and officially, as Speaker of the House, asked Jerry Nadler, the committee of the, the uh, or excuse me, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, to draft articles of impeachment. All right. That just happened moments ago. So let's go back to yesterday, however, because this exposes the lie for what it is and the liars for who they are. With that, I yield to my friend, Mr. Jordan. I thank the gentleman for yielding. Uh, Professor Carlin, context is important, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah, because just a few minutes ago when, when the, our colleague from Florida presented a statement you made, you said, well, you've got to take that statement in context. But it seems to me you don't want to extend the same or apply the same standard to the president. Because the now famous quote, I would like you to do us a favor, you said about an hour and a half ago that that didn't mean us, didn't mean us, it meant the president himself. But that's that, the clear reading of this, I would like you to do us a favor, though, because, you know what the next two words are? Um, I don't have the document. I'll tell you, because our country, he didn't say, I would like you to do me a favor, though, because I have been through a lot. He said, I want you to do us a favor, though, because our country has been through a lot. You know what this, this call, when this call happened? Happened the day after Mueller was in front of this committee. Of course our, our country put, was put through two years of this. And the idea that you're now going to say, oh, this is the royal we, and he's talking about himself, ignores the entire context of his statement. That whole paragraph, you know what he ends in that paragraph with? Talking about Bob Mueller. And this is, this is the basis for this impeachment, this call. It couldn't be further from the truth. You want the, you want the standard to apply when, when Representative Gates makes one of your statements, oh, you got to look at the context. But when the President of the United States is clear, you try to change his word, and when the context is clear, he's talking about the two years that this country went through because of this Mueller report. General Somehow that standard doesn't fired. apply to the President. That was one of the most important points, and I don't know if anybody else picked up on it other than Jordan, and that's why we should be grateful that he is there in D.C. and on this committee and fighting for the presidency. He pointed out that the next two words gave the context of what the president meant when he said, do us a favor. His next two words were, our country. Do us a favor because our country has been through a lot. Do our country a favor. Do our nation, do the United States a favor. This was about policy favoring the nation, not some policy that was intended to help specifically Donald Trump against an opponent who isn't even an opponent to this very moment. People need to understand that. Nobody talks about that enough, in my estimation, in this uh, incredible kangaroo court. Joe Biden is not a political opponent of Donald Trump's. Joe Biden is a political opponent of Bernie Sanders. He's a political opponent of Pete Buttigieg. He's a political opponent of Elizabeth Warren. He's in a fight for the Democratic nomination for president, something that is not a given. He is not an opponent of President Trump's yet. And if President Trump asks Ukraine to look into corruption, 
on behalf of us, quote, our country. I want to know, did your old government, not you, Mr. Zelensky, you were not the president back then, but did your government attempt to interfere with our election? Because there is a multitude of reporting and facts that say you did. I would like you to get to the bottom of that. By the way, on the issue of corruption, before we send you $391 billion, is your uh, uh, new government rooting out the corruption um, of the companies that you do business with, including Burisma? And if... That corruption happens to ensnare Hunter Biden. That is not a President Trump problem. That's a Biden problem. That is their fault and their responsibility for for the illegal gains that they were making, all for selling influence to the Obama White House. That is not a Trump issue. That is a Biden problem. So, so much great work done yesterday by Doug Collins, by Devin Nunez, by uh, Jim Jordan in particular, uh, in exposing the nonsense of more fact witnesses who witnessed no facts, who gave nothing but their opinions, and all of it resulting in what we just got minutes ago. Nancy Pelosi has indeed told Jerry Nadler to draft articles of impeachment. It's game on. We're going to the Senate. We always knew we were. We're going to the Senate, and that's when the entire game will shift. News time now. Dave Ray next. AM 1420, The Answer. I'm going to let this play a moment or two. Yeah, turn that up. Now, you can't play this song. Of course, in New York, you know if you use the words illegal alien, the First Amendment cannot protect you in the city of New York. No, that's legitimate. They passed an ordinance. You say illegal alien in New York, you can be arrested. You can be fined up to $250,000 and jailed if you don't pay the fine. That's right. They've taken free speech away in deference to illegal aliens uh, in the United States, those protected by sanctuary cities, those uh, protected by uh, liberal politicians. Also, you cannot say ICE. You can't say I'm calling ICE in New York because that's uh, that's apparently intimidating. That's apparently bullying. That's apparently some sort of offensiveness. You can't say that either, but we're going to say all of those things now as we talk about the current state of uh, uh, the immigration crisis. It's still a humanitarian crisis. Make no mistake about that. Still a humanitarian crisis, and it is still uh, a national emergency at our southern border, despite the gains we have made and the drop in the number of apprehensions over the course of the last few months. There is still an explosion of illegal immigrants uh, coming across the border, particularly in our Arizona-Mexico border. We've talked a lot about the Texas, McAllen, Texas port of entry. But right now, FAIR, our friends at the Federation for American Immigration Reform, are there. They are down there on the border providing first-hand accounts of what is going on uh, in uh, that, that particular port of entry. It is the, uh, well, I'm going to ask Ira Melman. I think it's the Nogales is how you pronounce it. Tucson sector, Nogales port of entry. Ira Melman joining us now from the border uh, with uh, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Ira, good to talk to you again. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Good morning. Did I get the location right? Yes. Uh, I'm actually in Tucson at the moment. We were down in Nogales on Tuesday. Uh, also, it's uh, Arizona, which is a small border town uh, where there's a lot of illegal drugs crossing into the United States. Uh, and then over in Cochise County, a little bit east of there, 
uh, where, where the sheriff's department is actually stepping in to fill some of the gaps that have been left by uh, the paucity of manpower that the Border Patrol has there. So it's, it, you know, it, it is a situation here where you have the drug cartels, and, and we've seen the violence that they're causing in Mexico right now. Uh, they're telling us here in Arizona that the Sinaloa drug cartel is also controlling the, the U.S. side of the border, uh, which ought to scare anybody. That is that is very important. Let's talk about the cartels, uh, Ira Melman, because um, you know when when we talk about trying to protect our border, you know the left wants uh, wants to paint the picture as we're trying to stop certain people from coming into the country, and it's not really the people; it's about what some of the people are bringing. And we're talking about deadly narcotics, and we're talking about human trafficking as well. And these are things that the cartels um, are, of course, specializing in. President Trump has said that he wants to declare some of these Mexican drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. And that drew a quick response from the Mexican government. What can you tell us about, from seeing firsthand, about the danger that these cartels uh, pose for us? Well, all, all you have to do is look at the news over the past couple of weeks. You have those women and children who were uh, gunned down uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, there were 21 people who were massacred just within the past few days. These drug cartels are becoming ever more violent. Uh, they are using the corridors through these border Mexican states uh, to get narcotics into the United States. And, and by the way, these same cartels that run narcotics into the United States also run illegal aliens. Uh, they also engage in human trafficking uh, into the United States. So, you know, this is a huge business for them. Uh, they have, you know, they, they operate out in the open along the border. Uh, the Border Patrol agents pointed out, you know, the spotters that were standing around. You know, these are people who have legal status in the United States, so there are no danger from the Border Patrol. Uh, they are standing there spotting where the Border Patrol is, uh, instructing the people on the other side of the border when it's safe to come across. Uh, you know, there are areas of this border that have a, a security uh, fence, and that's very, very effective. But you drive a few miles, and the fence just abruptly ends. Uh, it, it is replaced by a thin barbed wire strand. And, you know, that's not much of an impediment to these drug cartels or to the human smugglers or even to the illegal aliens. It is wide open. The Border Patrol uh, has limited resources, and the drug cartels know this. We are talking with Ira Melman, uh, the media director for FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. He is in Tucson, Arizona, as he said yesterday. He was at the Nogales Port of Entry reporting from, uh, you know, the scene of still a national security uh, emergency and still a humanitarian uh, nightmare, quite frankly. It's a, it's an enormous problem that has been created uh, by Democratic politicians who refuse to deal with this by, uh, among other things, putting up a border wall. Now, you just mentioned, you know, in some in fact, your colleague Dave Ray sent me some photographs earlier this week. Uh, he showed where the excellent new border wall is connected to a tattered barbed wire fence and a piece of rope, as you talk about connecting the two. He said the entire area uh, area is controlled by the Sinaloa cartel, both sides of the border controlled by the Sinaloa cartel. Can you tell me what that means, and can you tell me the difference in terms of crossings where the border wall is is you know indeed uh, uh, you know pervasive and uh, as opposed to where it is just a couple of strands as you point out well, well quite obviously n nobody is going to try to scale the wall when all they have to do uh, is go a few miles and it is wide open there uh, so you know the, the border fence as I said is extremely effective 
but it only can be effective where it is. If it's not been built, then it can't do anything for us, and the drug cartels know this. Uh, and, you know, they, they outman the Border Patrol right now. Uh, because of the ongoing abuse of our political asylum system, a lot of Border Patrol officers have been pulled off the border. They are now processing people who are coming in trying to abuse our political asylum system. Uh, you know, there, there's been some improvement uh, with the implementation of the West Mexico policy and the requirement that you seek political asylum in the first safe country. But it only applies to a small segment of the people who are trying to abuse our political asylum system. Uh, as the Border Patrol agent we were at with said, it only applies to single men who are stupid enough to show up without children at the border. If you show up with a child, uh, you're still going to get in. So uh, it, it has had some measurable impact, but not enough. Uh, the Cochise County Sheriff's Department has actually set up, at its own expense, uh, cameras all along the border there. Uh, they are actually, they have photographic evidence uh, that the number of people coming uh, into the United States is now beginning to spike again after, you know, the summer months when it's uh, obviously too hot for many people to come across. Uh, the, the numbers are now rising. And, you know, they report this to the Border Patrol. The Border Patrol only apprehends about 48 percent of the people they identify, which means that, you know, more than half are still getting in. Ira Melman is the uh, media director with the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Ira, I know you don't want to be political about this. We're talking about this from a security perspective, perspective and, a, and, and, a, and a policy perspective. But uh, Elizabeth Warren, who is one of the frontrunners for the Democratic nomination for the presidency, has said that she would use American tax dollars not to build the wall, which President Trump is trying to do, but rather she would use those dollars to deconstruct and take down the wall if she takes over. And I think uh, she shares that same open borders philosophy with most of the other candidates on the Democratic stage. How crucial is it in your mind? And tell me, what do you think, and it might sound obvious, but put it in your own words, what would what would happen in this country if we really didn't have any border security in terms of a barrier like the wall uh, that we are trying to construct now under the current presidency? Yeah, you know, just don't don't talk to me. Talk to the border patrol agents. Talk to the sheriffs uh, along the border. They will tell you how vital it is to have that wall there. Uh, the difference between the areas that have the wall and the areas that don't have the wall is self-evident. Uh, the safety of the communities along the border. Uh, those things are self-evident. So, you know, th- they fully support it. You know, the Cochise County uh, Sheriff, as I mentioned, installed these cameras. They have created a task force uh, at their own expense. They tell us that they have near unanimous support from the community, uh, that, you know, the people who live along the border and have to deal with this on a daily basis fully support what they are trying to do there. Uh, and without the wall uh, and without the resources for the Border Patrol, these communities would face even more hardships. They, you know, they would see more people uh, running through their property, uh, in some cases terrorizing local residents. You know, the, the people who smuggle drugs into the United States, uh, they drop their loads. Uh, they make their way back to the border. Uh, we're told very often that, you know, they will invade people's homes just to get uh, food and water on their way back Across the border to Mexico. So this would increase exponentially if not for the wall that was already in place. And, you know, uh, you know, one of these presidential contenders had his or her way. Uh, it w- would decriminalize all of this, people coming across the border illegally. Uh, it would certainly have an exponential impact on the communities that are already dealing with these problems.
Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you know, we're talking about so many different elements to this. Uh, they want to decriminalize crossing the border illegally. They want to provide uh, Medicare for all or free health care coverage for illegals who come across. That is another carrot that they're dangling. Uh, and they, of course, are providing them cover in sanctuary cities uh, all across this country, which, of course, continues to be a, a, a very important political issue, the one that needs to be dealt with in elections. Uh, last thing that we'll ask you then, uh, Ira, is, uh, is what level of, of confidence do you have that we are going to be able to deal with this? Um, you know, again, looking at it from both sides of the political spectrum, if this president continues and gets another four years to continue piece by piece, it's not happening very fast, right? The building of the wall, it's not happening. It's picked up a little bit, especially since the president was able to get some appropriations from the Pentagon for national security to build the wall. It's not happening fast, but if we, uh, if we make a change 11 months from now, uh, all of that progress is going to be for naught. Well, yeah, obviously it is going to depend on who's sitting in the Oval Office. Congress is doing absolutely nothing. Uh, Whatever has been happening has been because the president has been using the executive powers that he has. And obviously it's up to the person who is president of the United States to determine what uh, he or she is going to use those powers. So, yes, it will be a very consequential election for a lot of reasons, but certainly uh, in terms of how we're going to deal with uh, immigration, because Congress clearly is not doing its job and the vacuum is being filled by the executive branch. And that's up to the whim uh, and the political opinions of the person who occupies that office. Ira Melman, uh, FAIR, uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform Media Director. Ira, you and the rest of your team that make these continued trips down there to the border to see firsthand. That's what I love about you guys. You know, you walk the walk. You don't just talk the talk. You don't sit in D.C. and say, ah, this is what's going on down there and acting as if you're experts on the situation simply with your, uh, you know, with your, uh, you, you know, your own personal opinions. You're going down there and seeing things firsthand and collecting facts and reporting back to the American people and hopefully to the American Congress to get them to act on this. So I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. It's not safe time. Well, I apologize. I'm trying to wrap this up, and now I just thought of another question. Do you guys do you guys ever fear for your safety down there in those very dangerous areas where you point out that cartels control both sides of the border? Well, you know, thankfully right now the cartels are not looking for confrontation with the Border Patrol agents. They're more than happy to kind of wait them out. Uh, you know, they know when the Border Patrol agents are there and when they're not there. Uh, they would just as soon, you know, come come across when nobody's there. They're, I don't think they're necessarily looking for a shootout. Though they'd, they'd obviously do it if they came to that. Uh, but, you know, as long as they can avoid the Border Patrol and just come in when no one's looking, uh, they seem to be fine with that. Good to know. I did, I just I worry because you know you think about the border areas, you think about all the violence down there and all of the dangerous people. I feel like you could be in harm's way, and you guys are willing to put yourselves out there to get that firsthand information and report from the border. So that's why I uh, love partnering with you guys. I love reporting. Uh, have you guys report with us rather, and uh, and and doing the uh, uh, holding their feet to the fire event every year. You guys do really really wonderful work for the American people. Ira, thank you so much for doing it, and thanks for joining us. M- pleasure. Thank you. Ira Melman, media director for FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Like I said, they talk the talk, or they walk the walk, not just talk the talk. They're down there on the border, and they will tell you firsthand what's going on. Going to get a quick time out now, come right back, get back to a little bit of what, hap- what is happening in uh, Washington, D.C. right now. Nancy Pelosi has instructed uh, Jerry Nadler, essentially, the uh, chairman of the uh, Judiciary Committee, to draft articles of impeachment, claiming she does so with sadness as if this wasn't what their goal was from 
before day one. Right back with that on AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. All right, I'm going to play it for you, even though you're not going to want to hear it. The screechy voice of Nancy Pelosi. And I don't know if she's going to have to suck her dentures back in when she gives this, makes these remarks. But let's listen to one minute of Nancy Pelosi's lies as to why they have to pr- uh, proceed with impeachment. Yesterday, the Judiciary Committee, at the Judiciary Committee, the American people heard testimony from leading American constitutional scholars who illuminated, without a doubt, that the president's actions are a profound violation of the public trust. The president's actions have seriously violated the Constitution. Does she sound like she's like steps away from a home? Seriously, she, she just sounds like she is on the cusp of being admitted someplace. She does not sound well, but anyway. Especially when he says and acts upon the belief, Article 2 says I can do whatever I want. No, his wrongdoing strikes at the very heart of our Constitution, a separation of powers, three co-equal branches, each a check and balance on the other, a republic, if we can keep it, said Benjamin Franklin. Our democracy is what is at stake. The president leaves us no choice but to act because he is trying to corrupt once again the election for his own benefit. All right, so there's the lie by uh, Nancy Pelosi trying to uh, convince us of what uh, uh, of what they believe is, or not what they believe, because they know it's not true. They don't even believe it. That's, a, that's the funny part about this. They don't even believe the tripe that they're trying to force the American people to swallow. They don't believe this. They don't believe this is about the July 25th phone call. Oh, my goodness, we heard something and we have no choice but to act. They have been hunting and searching for a reason to impeach this president since before the election, since the night of the election, and obviously as broadcast by the Washington Post, blasted out on the front page, or at least uh, on their uh, on the uh, web version of the Washington Post, 20 minutes after the election, or excuse me, the inauguration, the impeachment of Donald Trump begins now. This has been their goal from the beginning. So they don't even believe their, uh, their nonsense. Absolutely have no no belief whatsoever, but this is what they have to sell because they are too far down the road now. They can't turn around. Uh, professor Jonathan Turley, who, again, was the one liberal professor among four liberal prof- professors yesterday to testify before the uh, Judiciary Committee, explains what the, that the true abuse of power here is not from the President of the United States. It's from these congressional Democrats. One more time. If you impeach a president, if you make a high crime and misdemeanor out of going to the courts, it is an abuse of power. It's your abuse of power. You're doing precisely what you're criticizing the president for doing. We have a third branch that deals with conflicts of the other two branches. And what comes out of there and what you do with it is the very definition of legitimacy. 
And again, Professor Turley is not a partisan Republican supporter of Donald Trump. He is a liberal who voted against Donald Trump and admitted so, uh, and in fact stated so proudly on the stand yesterday, because he's not interested in the politics of it. He's interested in the Constitution. He's into the justice of it. He's into the righteousness of it. And he declared very directly that the Democrats' impeachment of President Trump is unfair and not valid for a variety of reasons. You can't accuse a president of bribery. And then when some of us note that the Supreme Court has rejected your type of boundless interpretation, say, well, it's just impeachment. We really don't have to prove the elements. That's a favorite mantra that is sort of close enough for jazz. Well, this isn't improvisational jazz. Close enough is not good enough. If you're going to accuse a president of bribery, you need to make it stick because you're trying to remove a duly elected president of the United States. Now, it's unfair to accuse someone of a crime and when others say, well, those interpretations you're using to define the crime are not valid, and to say they don't have to be valid because this is impeachment. That has not been the standard historically. If you, my testimony lays out the criminal allegations in the previous impeachments. Those were not just proven crimes, they were accepted crimes. That is, even the Democrats on that judiciary, that the Judiciary Committee agreed that Bill Clinton had committed perjury. That's on the record. And, there, and a federal judge later said it was perjury. In the case of Nixon, the crimes were established. No one seriously disagreed with those crimes. And those points used to matter to the Democrats. It used to matter, but not anymore. Now Jerry Nadler can completely contradict what he said just 21 years ago, as pointed out by Doug Collins. But you know, what I also see here is quotes like this. There must never be a narrowly voted impeachment or an impeachment supported by one of our major political parties or imposed by another. Such an impeachment will produce divisiveness, bitterness, and politics for years to come and will call into question the very legitimacy of our political institutions. The American people are watching. They will not forget. You have the votes. You may have the muscle, but you do not have the legitimacy of a national consensus or of a constitutional imperative. The partisan coup d'etat will go down in infamy in the history of the nation. How about this one? I think the key point is that the Republicans are still running a railroad job with no attempt at fair procedure. And today, when the Democrats offered amendments, offered motions in committee to say we should first discuss and adopt standards so that we know we're dealing with, standards for impeachment that was voted down or ruled out of order. When we say the important thing is to start looking at the question before we simply have a vote with no inquiry first, that was voted down and ruled out of order. So frankly, the whole question of what material should be released and what is secondary, but that's all we discussed. The essential question, and here it is, which is to set up a fair process as to whether the country put this country through an impeachment proceeding. That was ruled out of order. The Republicans refused to let us discuss it. Those are all Chairman Nadler before he was chairman. It was Chairman Nadler back when he was just Representative Nadler in 1998. Brilliant work there by the Republicans. And now this thing is going to head to the Senate when the entire doors are going to be blown off of the Democratic uh, agenda. All right, it's uh, 10 o'clock time for news. We'll get that. Uh, con- not Congressman, but uh, rather um, uh, uh, Dr. Everett Piper will be joining us next. Right. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.